This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Profile of 20 Young Poets on Otago Access Radio, a series celebrating the literary talent of young people in Dunedin. Every Wednesday at 5pm we will hear from another young Dunedin poet about their passion for writing and listen to some of their written work. Episodes from these series will be replayed at 9.30pm on Thursdays and 2.30pm on Fridays and available online from www.oar.org.nz and iTunes. My name is Arlo James Priest Forsyth, and um, I go to school at Logan Park High School. I play Dungeons & Dragons, that's a hobby, and I'm a massive nerd. My very first experience of really getting into creative writing was in year five. And so up until then, actually, I had really been struggling with any sort of writing at all. I just couldn't really do it and um when i went into year five i had a really cool teacher and what she did is every single day before class started she would put up like a a photo on the projector and we would all take 15 minutes to write a short sort of two paragraphs about the photo and that was that was really fun and i could actually do something for once that was really cool and um sort of just went from there really you can't you can study creative writing and it's good to like you obviously you need to study the language and you to get grammar down and spelling and that sort of thing but you can't teach someone how to have ideas that's basically it um you can help people get inspiration but you can't at least in my view, it's really it's it'll be very hard to teach someone how to write a really good book and a, have a really good ideas and a really good plot, just because it's just one of those things where it's hard to teach. Well, I certainly got a lot of a very much a decent amount of opportunities to develop creative writing, um, but when I got into high school, there there isn't really much opportunity outside of doing on your own or in an internal assessment, which is kind of sad. First, there is an overture of reaching hands that search for each other, of clasping fingers, oft times intertwined, sometimes just holding. The dancers don't know what will happen next, as there are no set steps, no set moves. Anything that happens is instinctual, caring, loving. Left, right, up, down, slowly they circle each other, round and round. Gently they skim their partner's nails, each ridgen bump noted. Tenderly they brush the other's skin, the webbing of their thumbs softly explored. The dancers affectionate, the dancers warm, the dancers love each other. The dancers express their feelings through motion when words just can't quite. The dance is beautiful. So the dance of thumbs was 
inspired by so what I was on music camp uh, a few months ago with um, sort of school stuff and I it was inspired by because once everyone had done because it was the last night and you have a performance and then you have like a jam session where people can dance and jam out and stuff like that and um, afterwards me and uh, me and my current girlfriend she we we sort of went out into the field and sat down and talked because it was really loud and um, we and it was often when like we hold hands we sort of just because we fidget a lot so we sort of um, move our thumbs and things because that's really the only thing free and so um, I I like I always say it's the dance of thumbs and I thought sort of like a, a teasing sort of thing and um, that that's that's what sort of gave me that inspiration I went back and the next day I did that sort of in in the morning over breakfast one of my favorite writers is Terry Pratchett and his writing is done in such a way that it's he uses really dry humor and I really really enjoy that and um, also, in in all of his stories, people are just people, and a lot of the characters are just based off of just people. Like, for example, the gods and things, they're just people with a lot of power. And so they do stupid things, and they're pretty petty and that sort of thing. And, um, like, death, is, as in the Grim Reaper, is a person, and... I, li- I really like how he just sort of anthropomorphizes a lot of things and gives them human qualities. It's really cool. I read a series that Peter Jackson is actually planning to do a movie series on called um, the Predator Cities novels. And that's, uh, yeah, there's, I think it goes Mortal, en- Mortal Engines, Infernal Devices, Predator's Gold, and A Darkling Plane. And they were made uh, a while ago. But I really enjoyed them. Um, there was a reprinting a few years ago, and I got them for my birthday. And I I remember getting them at about 13, and then I finished the second book, and it was so sort of depressing that I stopped reading them for a couple years until I went back to them. But... I really enjoyed that series and I thought it had a really good ending because it's very realistic for what it is and I really like that it's not it doesn't just follow that everyone gets a happy ending and everything's going to be fine because the heroes uh the heroes or heroines or whatever but uh, they, I I like how it it takes itself seriously and it doesn't just fall into that you know everything is bright and sunshine don't you hate it when you pour your emotions into something and they tell you it isn't good enough don't you hate it when you find out that your best is somehow not good enough i could relate this to depression that would give me excellence i could relate this to self-confidence issues that would give me excellence It just needs a broader theme. Small things don't get excellence. Why did I ever even think to submit a piece of my work? Getting people to grade your non-fabricated emotions is equal to stupidity.
Don't you hate it when you are forced to make work that you despise just to get a good grade? NCEA approved was made in a maths class after I got back. So I submitted a piece of my of my poetry to um, to my English teacher for uh, an internal. And um, it came back with a grade that I thought it didn't deserve. And I thought that it would have gotten a better grade. And so I was really angry, um, sort of pettily, obviously, because getting angry at getting bad grades is kind of, meh. Um, anyway, um, and so, yeah, I, I was really annoyed. And so I wrote that in a maths class instead of doing maths. It wasn't that the... It wasn't that I was annoyed that they have a grading system because you need a grading system. Um, what I was more annoyed at was the reasoning behind it was that because it didn't because the poem didn't address a bigger issue, even though it was a really good thing, it didn't get excellence. And that's why it's sort of, you know, if I wrote if I related this to depression, I would have gotten an, an excellence. And so that just felt really frustrating, sort of just wrong to me. Um, in that um, poem, I was actually I was actually quite angry at myself for for submitting a piece of my work that I had actually put a lot of sort of myself into, because I thought that looking back, I thought why would I do this? Because if it's if someone says it's not good enough, I'll be really crushed, and I was. And so in that, I was sort of quite angry at myself, and also at that sort of mentality of if it's not if it's not if it's not a big issue, then it can't get a good grade, which was sad. I think most of mine is I come up with a a concept or like a, a character or a a thing within a world, and then I just sort of mental vomit onto the page and just write until I can connect something up with another piece that I thought of halfway through or something um, and then I usually have to go back and do a lot of editing because it just doesn't make sense <laughs> I don't think that there are that there are sort of places that inspire me or, in, or that I enjoy writing in other than the places that I just am when I feel like writing I would say that a really noisy place is not a good place to write. I don't, there, there's not really places that I can list that are good for writing when I can, I can list places that are bad for writing. <laughs> the time that I take on each thing that I do, it varies a lot depending on how, how long I want it to be. I usually sort of write in spurts. So like I'll write five pages in a day and then I'll stop for maybe a week or something. But if that doesn't happen, and if I finish it in sort of the first day or first two days or something, then I'll often maybe take an, sort of the time that, the total time that I actually work on it would probably be, because I, I don't really write novels or anything, it would probably be maximum three to four hours. But the time that it takes me to share with people from when I started it can take anywhere from a single hour to like three weeks because I just don't come back to it at all which is kind of bad <laughs> I don't really have many networks of other writers to talk to I just I generally show my stuff to 
friends that I think I might that, that, that I think might be interested in it. I often I often show it to my English teacher because you know that's kind of what he's there for to like teach me how to do stuff. And yeah, I show things to my, I show things to him if I want a second opinion on it and that sort of thing. Um, there's not really like a Facebook group that I go to and say, can I get advice on this? I just sort of people that I know that are around at some time at some time and my English teacher. I haven't really tried to get get my work out into public into the public eye um, at all, apart from here. But um, so I wouldn't. I don't really know of any places. But I, I guess you could. I'd say that if you look, I'm pretty. I'd. I'm confident that if you looked hard enough, then you'd definitely find a lot of places to get your work out of the public. Like you could, you could email newspapers and find something like this or that sort of thing. Yeah. They found his coat. They found his hat, and a handbag full of clues. They couldn't find his footprints, but they found his socks and shoes. They couldn't find a trace of hair, nor any DNA, not even on his trousers, nor on his pipe made out of clay. They found it all laid on the ground, and I tell you this because they are baffled by the mystery of the man who never was. Years and years ago, when I was quite a small child... We had this book. We probably still have this book. I can't, but we don't know where it is because um, I actually looked for it a couple of weeks ago, but I couldn't find it. And it's called "The Underwater Melon Man and Other Ridiculous Rhymes," and it's this book of poetry, and it's 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 great. I love it, and it's really um, sort of it's got a lot of silly stuff, and um, it's got a silly name, and it really appeals to. Well, it really appealed to me when I was a kid, and there's a poem in it called "The Man That Never Was." I can't fully remember what it was even about, but I just really liked the title. And um, in so last year, in year eleven, we were doing creative writing and we were doing poetry. And I thought, hey, there's this idea that I have for poetry, and so I thought the man that never was—that's a really cool thing. And so I wrote that, and um, yeah, that was sort of. That's really the only sort of inspiration. I thought, how can I make this something? I experimented slightly with making it longer, but I couldn't really find rhymes that were make that would actually improve it, because sometimes it just yeah. Hmm. I would say that a lot of my stuff is quite a lot of it is quite a lot of the poem and the sort of the this the stuff that I'm wanting to get across is also in quite a lot of the structure of the of the wording and stuff, um, and I I do enjoy having I I do think that I I focus on the structure quite a lot of the of the of the actual poems. Um, I would say that other than that, my sort of style or something, I don't really adhere to something. I just do. Well, I guess I do in a way because that's just what I do. But otherwise, yeah, I don't really think I. Yeah. A few years ago, I toyed with the idea of writing a novel, and looking back on it, it was pretty cliche and、um, sort of a bit. I, I don't like it now.、Um, 
moving forward from sort of short stuff, um, I think maybe I don't. I don't think that I'll write novels, or I don't think I'll write a novel or anything like that. Um, probably just sticking with short poems and um, sort of maybe one to three page short stories and that's about it yeah i would say if you have access to an english teacher then use that access because their job is to help students with this sort of thing so they're probably the most they're the most qualified professionally to give advice and that sort of thing so that would be a really good start um i would also say just find someone who who'd be willing to listen or to read any of your stuff um and then that would that's pretty much that's good enough really if you find anyone that will actually listen to any of your work and won't get bored if you keep on showing them stuff then that's a really good thing and you should just find someone like that that was the profile of our latest young poet on Otago Access Radio this project has been supported by the Dunedin City Council's Creative Communities Scheme, Dunedin UNESCO, City of Literature and Dunedin Public Libraries. If you would like to get involved with this project or any future Youth Zone projects, you can call the station on 471 6161 or email youthzone at oar.org.nz. This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.